The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. From the news team at LinkedIn, I'm Jesse Hempel, and this is Hello Monday, our show about the changing nature of work and how that work is changing us. What happens when you go to school for a certain career and then all the jobs go away? It's not a new problem. I mean, think switchboard operators or more recently travel agents. But as technology speeds everything up, this is happening much more often. And no matter what you do, it's likely your industry will change at some point. I mean, that's really what Hello Monday is all about, helping you be ready for that change. Well, today you'll hear from Lauren Mafio. Lauren's a listener. We get so many letters from listeners that earlier this year, we started running listener spotlights, your stories. Lauren started as a journalist. She loved it, but she didn't really see a straightforward future in her field. So this year, yes, in the middle of a pandemic, she made a big pivot. Now it wasn't easy. Lauren's in what she calls the awkward teenager phase of her career. No longer a beginner, but you know, not really senior. In this episode, she'll explain how she chose a new field, what she did to prepare for it, and how she landed her first job. Today, Lauren is a civic tech service designer. Maybe you're wondering, well, what does that mean? I started our conversation by asking her. So I'm based in Washington, D.C., where government contracting is a very high employer in the sense that many people in the DC area work in government contracting. And in the end, that's really what I do now. I work for a government contracting firm called Steampunk, and we focus on tech uh, solutions and innovations for government agencies. And so I work in tech. I have done a lot of different things that tie together uh, in a narrative. And I think the easiest way I say that is to say that I've reported on and worked within the global technology sector. And a, a graduate school friend actually was the one who encouraged me to say it that way. I was looking for a job four years ago, and she encouraged me to quote unquote sell myself that way by explaining very succinctly what I do and I've used it ever since. So Lauren, I think of that and and you're a techie, right? I mean you you love tech. I do. Yes, I do. So so let's peel it back a second. What do you love about tech? I've thought about this a lot because when I was in college, I the thought of working in tech would have been laughable and it never crossed my mind. What was your major? Media studies. <laughs> <laughs> so I was a liberal arts major. I was dead set on going into broadcasting. Every internship that I did was in the field of journalism, either doing on-air radio reporting or working at TV stations. And I chose my university in part because it was based in a large urban city where I would have access to media internships. So tech was not anywhere on my mind at all. It's important to the story to understand where tech and the internet were at this point, and indeed where business was, and that was in trouble. Lauren was in college during the 2008 crash and the resulting recession. The financial crisis made things really hard for several years, and so in a way, being in college protected Lauren. She wasn't facing a terrible job market, but that job market was also changed when she graduated. I was both protected from the worst, but also feeling the residual effects. and. 
I was especially feeling the residual effects of what had happened to the media sector because along with the more broad crash and recession, that was also the time when you were starting to see ad revenue shift from media platforms to online tech platforms like Craigslist, Google, Facebook, and that trend had never stopped. And, and now we're at a point a decade later. Yeah. What did you come out of school in 2010, 2011, somewhere in there? 2011 was when I got my bachelor's degree. Yep. And that was just about the time that the media industry most narrowly construed started its epic downward march. Yeah. The downward march from which it feels like there is no coming back. No. And I've thought about this a lot. What I love about tech is that it's changing so quickly. And so there's always something new to learn. And that's really what I loved about being in journalism. It was the idea that you could go out and report on the community that you were covering, but there was always something new to cover every day. And so you were doing the same work and yet no two days were alike. And similarly, tech tech moves so quickly that there is always something new to learn. And I also love to read and and, uh, developers and folks in tech are notorious for producing a lot of content on what they work on. And so there is always content to read as well. But when I think about the current state of media, I don't have any regrets about leaving it in in large part because I look at what the industry has become and it really makes me, it both makes me really sad, but it's also not something I particularly want to be a part of. When I was in high school and in college, it was still a viable career path. And I don't know if I can say that now. You know, Lauren, I have a thought about media and then I have a thought about careers for people who are around your age. And the media piece is that we are in the middle of this great upheaval and media the way that it used to look doesn't work. And media will give way to something else. And we see green sprouts coming up everywhere. But it's going to take a while. It's going to change a lot. It's going to be nothing that those of us who came up in traditional media recognize. And being in the middle of that change is difficult financially, it's difficult emotionally, it's difficult intellectually. And there are a lot of reasons why it's not a great time to go into traditional media. That said, if you are graduating from college in 2011, 2012, every industry was under pressure. And what is what is newly true starting around then is that you can kind of expect in your career to need to figure out how to reinvent yourself a lot of times. First, you're a journalist, but the through line I see there for you, Lauren, is curiosity. You are obviously an exceptionally curious person. So talk to us about how you got to that that next thing you did. That's a great point, and it's very accurate. I'm curious to a fault, and that I don't think will ever leave me. I think what makes it hard transitioning out of a career in journalism, because I did I did work as a freelance tech journalist out of graduate school, and so I did get to experience doing the work, loving it, but also realizing that freelancing full-time at 23 years old in one of the most expensive cities in the world was not going to be sustainable. I actually ran the risk of starting to resent and even maybe hate the work that I knew I loved, but I had to really take an honest look at myself and whether I wanted to continue. And so 
What I love about my current job as a service designer in tech is that basically service design is an umbrella term for doing user research, uh, conducting interviews, working with user experience designers and data architects to design solutions to problems that real customers have. I do still feel like I get to satisfy that curious part of myself at work and knowing myself the way I do, I don't think I would ever be professionally satisfied in a job where that was lacking. Some professions are harder to leave than others. Journalism in particular it can often be as much a calling for the people who enter the field as, as it is a career. Lauren really understood this. People don't go into journalism unless they feel like it's a part of them. And so you, wor- you worry that by leaving the sector, you're betraying a part of yourself, maybe even killing a part of yourself. But The thing that I would stress to people who are wondering what to do in that situation is that you can, if you take a hard look at what you love about journalism, you can apply those skill sets in other professions. You just have to be both open to new opportunities and pretty clear on what you're looking for from those opportunities. Is that something that you intuited going into this? Or is it something that you had to discover another way? I've spent my career in tech as a writer, first and foremost. So I started in the sector as a journalist. I went on to work in content uh, publishing and marketing for a Silicon Valley-based SaaS company. And then I spent four years as an analyst for uh, Gartner, which is an a global IT research and advisory firm. And so my all of those roles were really based around that skill set of writing. And last year, I really started to wonder what was next and what I was capable of. I knew that I wanted to have writing as a backbone for my profession in some way, but I was also looking for what was next. And by then I realized that I actually wanted to pivot to working on a technical team. I wanted to work with engineers and product managers, and if not to do that work myself, then to at least work side by side with them. And so I started looking at what was possible in terms of job opportunities. And so I, and that was when I started to think that uh, UX would be a good opportunity for me. It's user experience and, and that really encompasses doing a lot of user interviews and a lot of research to figure out what users of a particular product like or dislike about it so that you can advocate for their needs to the technical team. We're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, Lauren will explain how she got into tech. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hi, I'm Tomer Korn, LinkedIn's Chief Product Officer. On my podcast, Building One, we dive deep into what it takes to build great products. Recently, we had Zach Perret, the CEO of Plaid, and he shared about his struggles building a financial app for consumers and how he was able to turn it all around with a critical pivot. Take a listen. 
I personally couldn't resonate as much with the consumer set that we were trying to reach. I just didn't have that level of empathy. When we made the shift to building a B2B product though, I was building the product that I wanted. My co-founder and I were creating the product that we wanted ourselves, and we had so much empathy for what that product was. Such a great insight. You know, in that sense, we got lucky because we were, we were creating a thing for ourselves. And then the people that we were talking to also had the same problems we did. They were fintech developers. We'd been a fintech developer. Uh, we'd been trying to build a fintech product for a year. And so, we had such deep empathy. We had such a clear ability to... If you want to hear more of Zach Perret's story and the lessons that follow, listen and subscribe to my podcast, Building One. And we're back. My guest today is Hello Monday listener Lauren Maffio. Many people shy away from tech because they think you need to be technical, you know, to know something about coding. Lauren's found that's not the case. Her skills have served her very well, but it can be tough to break in. And so I asked her if she ever found herself wishing that she'd just studied engineering. I definitely have. I'm a big proponent of bringing liberal arts thinking to tech um, and complementing that more big picture mindset with engineering skills. But it, I won't lie, I have often felt imposter, self inflicted imposter syndrome from not having studied computer science in an academic setting. No one has ever made me feel that way. No engineer has ever said to me, they've never um, put down my academic credentials. Uh, I've never had anybody qu question what I know, at least not to my face. And I was actually, and so it's all in my head. And I was actually speaking with a, a woman in Vancouver earlier this year, pre-lockdown, who has a PhD in computer science. And when I said what I just said to you, to her, she said, I have a doctorate in computer science and I'm constantly finding new frameworks and languages that I have to learn. And so that was, that's the thing that I would stress to people who are interested in going into tech is that regardless of whether you have a computer science degree or not, you are always going to have to be learning new skills and frameworks and solutions because, again, the sector is changing so quickly. Well, Lauren, once you realized that UX or design might be very interesting to you, what did you pursue in terms of education? Very little because I real I realized it last year while I was working full time. I did take a introductory course on HTML, CSS, and JavaScript, which are front end coding languages that uh, are very common for UX people to work with. And I don't do any coding right now in my current client project, but it, that's the sort of skill set that is never going to hurt you to know, regardless of what you do. I wasn't convinced that I wanted to go into full-time web de web development, but that's the sort of thing where knowing the basics of coding can take you pretty far in what whatever opportunities arise from that. Overall, though, I really had to figure out how to sell my background for these positions. And I hate framing it that way, but I had to do it because I didn't have UX experience uh, per se. And when I say I didn't have UX experience, I mean that I didn't have the title. I did have the experience to do what I'm doing. And I, I did feel confident about that, but I, I didn't have experience as a UX designer or uh, a service designer on my resume. And so I had to figure out how to tell companies that I actually was qualified for these jobs, even though I didn't have those five years of experience on my resume. Lauren, I 
love that you admitted that you hated figuring out how to sell yourself. There are very few people I know who are like, yes, I'm going to sit down and figure out how to sell myself today. And yet it is even more critical in today's job market if you really want to lean into a position or an area to figure out how to create the story around what you've already done that shows the rest of the world that you're qualified to do it. So what came of that? I eventually joined a wonderful team at a at a company that's very much like a startup doing service design work that I find very fulfilling. But the backstory is that it took me 10 months of regular looking and applying and rejections to get that job. And so it definitely didn't happen overnight. And some, and I often hear people say, especially if they're more senior in their career, oh, I wasn't looking. This just Fell in, fell in my, my lap. lap. This, this came my way. This, I, it just happened. This didn't just happen. This took close to a year to find. And this has been, to put it nicely, a very bizarre year, not the least of which in it is due to hiring. And so back in March, I remember thinking, am I looking down the barrel of a lost year career-wise? Do I just have to survive this year? Or is there an opportunity for me to do something different? And and the answer turned out to be yes. But back in March, and really through May or June, the spring was a really rough time for hiring. When did you start your job? August. So I'm still pretty new. Um, I have not met a single person in person yet. And we're growing really rapidly. And so we're in this situation where we're all working from home and our jobs are not affected negatively by working from home. Because we're in tech, we have the privilege of being able to do that work from anywhere, which I know many people don't. But the catch 22 is that we don't get that FaceTime, that literal FaceTime, those opportunity. We do brainstorms, of course, but they they have to be more planned out. Um, and so it's a uh, and so I'm in that situation where I am really satisfied, and I'm a person who loves working from home, but that doesn't mean that I don't long for seeing my colleagues in person too, because I do. I think you need a mix of both. Yeah. Well, you know, you said that. 10 months seems like it was a really long time. And now that it's in the rearview mirror, do you feel like that's a a long time to be orchestrating a, a full career change and finding a new job in the midst of a recession? When you frame it like that, not really. <laughs> but um but it, uh, but I think I think actually that's an important point to make because whenever you're trying to do something different, it is going to take time. And I, and it's very common in tech. I've heard for people, you know, you hear these stories about people who are self-taught developers, for example, and then they eventually are able to find a job doing that type of work. And a year is, a that's like the median amount of time anecdotally that I've heard it takes to go from consistent work of learning that skill set to being able to find employment due to that skill set. And so I would say, you know, that t- that long time frame can scare people, but I would I would try to say that's normal and I would try to encourage people to normalize that time frame because the reality is that very little happens overnight. 
I say that, and now I'm thinking about this year and everything that's happening this year when everything does seem to have happened overnight. But career-wise, things do take longer than that. And I'm also kind of in the awkward teenager phase of my career where I'm too senior for a lot of roles, but still, you know, junior enough that for director and above roles, I still have to really prove myself and sell myself. That's kind of an awkward place to be. And the, the the more senior you are, the more time it does take to find that next thing. Uh, and so when you're younger, there I feel like there's more of a plethora of opportunities. And then the higher up you go, the more time it takes and the more patience you need. That was listener Lauren Mafio. She's a civic tech service designer with Steampunk. And this listener spotlight episode came from an email she wrote us. If you've got a good story for Hello Monday, you know, one that that tells us something about the way that you're dealing with how work's changing, please write it to us at hellomonday at linkedin.com and maybe you'll hear your story on the next Listener Spotlight. One of the reasons I love making Hello Monday is that it's a community, truly. There's this crew of people that can remind us during our tougher moments that you totally deserve the opportunities in front of you, that you're smart enough, that you've got this and you don't have to do it alone. On Hello Monday, we build communities specifically at office hours. I hope you'll join us. This week, we'll talk about making career changes. Are you thinking about it? Have you done it? We'll convene, as usual, Wednesday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern. Follow me on LinkedIn at Jesse Hempel or email us at hellomonday at LinkedIn for a link. And now, if you like the show, please take a moment to weigh in on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Hello Monday is a production of LinkedIn. The show is produced by Sarah Storm, Judge Georgie Mixter Show, Florenti Iriando is head of original audio and video, Dave Pond is our technical director, Juliette Barreau, Cassidy Jackson, and Victoria Taylor help us talk about what we do every week. Our music was composed just for us by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. You also heard music from Poddington Bear. Dan Roth is the editor-in-chief of LinkedIn. I'm Jesse Hempel. See you next Monday, and thanks for listening.